given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. This is God's word. You may be seated. On this Mission Sunday, when we focus from taking the God's word here in the community to taking it to the ends of the earth, we've already heard this morning during the Bible class wonderful news how that 400,000 Bibles have gone into the Ukraine, Croatia, and Romania uh, as a work of Eastern European mission, and they're reaching out to six different Muslim countries, or yes, and also 2,200 libraries in the Ukraine, uh, unprecedented, are going to be receiving um, Bibles and Bible material, as well as a growing demand in Eastern Europe. We are learning stories of how our God is at work. Our God is powerful, he is at work, and he wants the mission done. And as I remember one professor told me many, many years ago, if we don't do it, God will find someone else who will. So we want to be a part of what God is doing. Earlier this year, we chose, MacArthur Park chose, to support the mission team to San Luis, Brazil. Mark and Melinda Dye, Troy and Lauren Gibbons, and Justin and Jill Hill. And this morning, this team will be bringing us a message that highlights again how our God is at work. G'day. Why are we going to San Luis, Brazil? So in, in my experience, it's not very often that God speaks directly to me. However, on February the 26th, back in 2012, it was announced from our pulpit at Northside Church of Christ that David Ingram, our full-time missionary, would be returning from Fortaleza, Brazil after serving 25 years with the church down there. And while I was sitting there in the church pew, I, uh, I felt like God was tapping me on the shoulder and saying, hey, it's your turn to go. I want you to go out in my name. I wasn't sitting with my wife that Sunday, which is kind of strange for us, so I was anxious to get back to the car after church. And when we came together in the car, I shared with my wife what, had, uh, what I'd experienced, and she shared with me that she had experienced the exact same thing. We were so convicted by this that we got home from church. We, we sat down and prayed about this, and then we wrote a letter to our elders, and we, we shared with them what we had experienced. Um, we told them we're not looking for any sort of financial support. We, we are looking for guidance. We are looking for prayer. We're looking for instruction and discipling because we didn't get any instructions with this message. We didn't know <laughs> how we were supposed to go. We didn't know where we were going. We didn't know when we were going. We didn't even know if we were ready to go. Uh, this is just what we had, what we had experienced and, and felt compelled to do. So we committed we were going to pray diligently about this and ask God to make it clear. Uh, because it wasn't and that in the meantime we would co we would commit ourselves to equipping ourselves better uh, trying to be ready for when he did make it clear and we would walk through any mission opportunity open door that came before us whether that was abroad or whether that was local didn't matter we were going to commit to going through those doors and so uh, right then we uh, I actually started my master's in theological studies um, and started working on that and completed that my wife started uh, working with IF Ministries, which is a ladies' ministry, and she was going to leadership conferences. Uh, that ministry works to connect the generations within a church and help discipling between the women. 
Uh, she actually got back yesterday having participated in this week's conference uh, up in Dallas. And as, as opportunities opened up, Lauren was able to go to Nicaragua with living water and provide a, a well in the name of Jesus. Um, and that was a great experience. Uh, I, I had previously been able to go to Brazil uh, and visit the church that David Ingram had, had uh, helped grow. Um, we worked several, several years. We went to Mexico and worked with orphans in a, in a place called Ciudad de Angeles. Um, and then our friends moved to West Africa, Burkina Faso, West Africa. And this is one of the poorest nations in the world. And they asked us to join their team. And we thought, could this be it? Is God making it clear? So we, we took our two oldest children out of our four and we, we headed over there for 10 days to survey this opportunity. And while we were there, we were held up at gunpoint twice and uh, we decided that if it was just us, that's one thing, but to put our children in this environment right now, we weren't, we weren't comfortable with it. And so we came back and we continued to serve here because the mission is between your feet. It's right where you're at. And, you know, we, we did Bible classes for the kids and through adults and uh, we participated in local outreach with Hector Gaza and Fisher House and different things. But one of the main ministries we did uh, our team, uh, as families and two other families along with us, we created a ministry called Survivor. And Survivor is loosely based off the TV show. However, when we do these, these weekend retreats, we invite people and we, we build our games around biblical events and biblical stories. And in the process, we challenge people. We, uh, we try to challenge them physically, mentally, and spiritually in order for them to experience and to draw out biblical truths as they face these challenges. And if we do our job right on these retreats, the people will go away uh, from our retreats and they'll have a, a real life tangible experience in which they've seen God's truths at work in solving challenges. So as they go into their, their real, real life everyday work and, the, and they're facing adversity, they can draw on that and they can remember, hey, I know that God's truth will get me through this as I walk, as I walk through life. Back to David Ingram. He, uh, he, saw, he came back in this time and he saw these retreats and saw that we were reaching colleges and high schools and, and different youth groups and he said, hey, I want to come to one of these. So he came along and when we got back that Wednesday night, he was so amazed at the response and the, and the impact that we were having. He said to me, uh, we need to take this to Fortaleza, Brazil. What do you think? Well, what I, think, what I thought was that's, that's insane. We, we, don't, we don't make money at this and we operate off donations. Now you want to add travel expenses and accommodation and all that. Uh, but what I said out loud was, that sounds awesome. Uh, <laughs> as God would have it, uh, within a year we were in Brazil doing Survivor and it was incredible. The response was amazing. We touched 150 youth and, and we had opportunities to talk in churches and do different things. We were so impacted by them, as soon as we got back, we planned for the next year, which was going to be 2016. Well, in that window, Great Cities Missions approached David Ingram and said, hey, we don't have a team, but we want you to go survey some cities in Brazil and see if they're suitable for us to start a church, to plant a church when we do get a team. So he said, well, I'm already going down as a translator for this survivor team. I'll just tack it on the end of the trip. It'll, it'll save money. So we heard about that and we were like, well, we want to go. So uh, we all signed up too and we went on this survey trip. And when we got to Sao Luis, some incredible stuff happened. And, I, and, and these, these gentlemen are going to share all of that with you here in a minute. Uh, but we were so impacted last July. We got back about a week before the end of July, shared with our families. And by 
July the 31st, our three families had committed to moving our families and, and committing to five years to try to plant a church in Sao Luis. Now, we committed, but God wasn't done. And Great Cities puts you through a long uh, weekend of, of assessment and battery of tests and all this sort of stuff. And one of the people who was selected to be on that assessment team was Ellen Absher. Now, she came along and she, uh, that, you know, it was, a, it was a long weekend. It was very difficult and it was tiring for them as well as us. And when we were done on Sunday afternoon, she raced over here to the missions committee meeting that was going on and went to bat for us. And we hadn't even started looking for churches to join us in this mission yet. And she'd already gone to bat, and before long, here we are going with you guys as a part of this team, and you guys are on our team before we even started looking for people. God put us together. Uh, it's an incredible reminder that this is not on us. This is not what we're doing. We don't get any glory for this. It's by God's grace and his mighty power, as we just read, that this is happening. And it's a privilege and an honor, not just for us to go, but for us to go with all of you, and we appreciate you guys so much. Good morning. Um, like Troy said, it's, it's an honor for us to be here. And our goal today is to share some things that happened that have happened to this team that we haven't had a chance to share with you yet so that you can see God working, so that you can feel those chill bumps. You know what I'm talking about? When you know God has been at work and you can feel it. And I hope these stories uh, will, will allow you to see God working through us because when we say team, we're not just talking about our families. We're talking about all of us. We're all in this together. Um, that song that we sang earlier, I never heard it before, Surround Us, Lord. Uh, we want that, right? All of us want God to surround us, and, and that prayer has probably never been so fervent in our life as it is right now. And We pray, God, open doors, show us where you want us, put us where you need us, because we don't know, and we want to be used by him. And so, these are just some, this was the prayer that we were praying when Troy was talking about when we landed in San Luis. Before that time, even the day when we set foot in that city, we said, God, show us if you want us here. We don't want to be here on our own. We want to be here if you need us. And these are some of the things that happened. So, amazingly, the guy that picked us up at the airport, he is an evangelist who was sent to that city uh, by a church in Sao Paulo. He had been working in the city. He started a storefront where he was studying the Bible with people. His wife got pregnant with quadruplets. They lost one of the babies, and you can imagine what that does, and it just kind of threw them for a loop. But he hasn't given up. They've actually since then had another child, a healthy baby. He is so excited. We talk to him almost every day. He's excited for us to get down there to start the work again. And in our absence, he's been going out daily and handing out pamphlets for people getting the field ready for us to come. So we're super excited. And his name is, we call him Holfi. It's really Ralph, but the way you pronounce it there. So lift up a prayer for him and his family that, that he will be the man that we hope him to be. Uh, the, first, the first hour we were there, we were starving. So we've been flying, and, and this guy decided he's going to take us to a restaurant. So he takes us to this grocery store of all places. And I think I was ready to leave because I, was, I didn't know what we were going to do there. But I'm glad I stayed because in the next hour, a man tapped me on the shoulder, started a conversation. At the end of that conversation, he said, when you guys move here, I want my daughter to come to Survivor and I want to come to your church. That happened in the first hour that we were in the city. And Justin's going to tell you a few more things that happened in the city. But I want to tell you something. That wasn't the end of it. 
a few weeks ago, Melinda and I were sitting at home, and we got a phone call. It was from the dean of our son's school. Our son goes to a private school in Bulverde called Gloria Deo. It's a classical education, and maybe some of you know what that is. If you don't, you can Google that later, and you'll learn all, of, all you want to know about it. But it's a very special type of school. And so the dean called us from Dallas. She said, you're never going to believe this, but I've met somebody that wants to talk to you. Can I give them your number? And we said, yeah. We were a little puzzled by what she meant, but uh, she told us the story. She said, I'm at a conference for classical education. I was out in the area where people are selling their programs and books. You've kind of been to one of those things before. I bump into this lady, had a short conversation, and we went our separate ways. Well, when the keynote address, the keynote speaker came, we were sitting next to each other until we started chatting again. She said, I noticed the lady had a funny accent, and I asked her, where are you from? And she said, well, I'm here from Brazil. I'm starting a classical education school in Brazil, and I'm looking for teachers. And Jude's dean said, that's really interesting. I have a student uh, whose family is moving to Brazil. And the lady from Brazil, her name's Rosalind. She said, uh, what city are they moving to? And she said, well, I really can't remember, uh, but I have their Facebook page. So she pulled her phone out, handed her phone over, and her eyes got big. Her mouth fell open. She said, they're moving to the city that I'm from. She was there in Dallas from San Luis uh, looking for American teachers to come to San Luis and work. So Rosalind called and talked to Melinda. She said, I have no idea why God has brought us together. I don't know if you're meant to bless us or if I'm meant to bless you, but if you want a job when you get here, you have it. If you want somebody to pick you up from the airport, I'll be there. If you want somebody to look at apartments for you, I'll go. If that doesn't tell you that God is working in this and because of the prayers, I don't know what to tell you. God is alive. He is working. He's moving in this. And it gives us so much confidence to know that he is doing these things ahead of us to prepare the field for when we get there. Thank you guys for letting me share that story with you. Justin has a, a few more that he'd like to share. Morning. So the question that we're trying to answer this morning is why are we moving to San Luis? Um, for Jill and I, it goes back a long time, and I, I think God has been working on us through different things uh, for quite some time. Um, when, when people tell their story, it makes me think about my own. So what I want to do this morning is share the story of how God has changed our lives. And maybe you might think about ways that God may be changing yours as well. So Jill and I met uh, and were married at ACU, um, we both grew up in the church. We both grew up in nice homes. We had fantastic parents. Really, we had a pretty easy life. Um, and that didn't really change when we moved to San Antonio. And we got good jobs. We plugged in quickly to Northside, a great congregation and family. Um, and things are going pretty well for us. In fact, really to that point, I had never really struggled with and, and had never really failed at anything. Up until the point where I started trying to get into medical school. Uh, and I could tell you that Four application cycles, three MCATs, uh, and I think an accurate number is 27 rejection letters has a way of sort of deflating your ego. Uh, add in at that time also, we're dealing with the frustration um, and the never-ending waiting that infertility brings. On top of that, our family faced its first major loss. Uh, my dad went in for a routine surgery and had an unexpected complication. And three days later, he died. Um, 
My dream, my confidence, my hero are gone, just like that. Um, certainly not part of our plans. But as happens normally in life, uh, things ebbed back the other way. Things turned around over the next couple of years. Uh, I accepted a position in PA school. We bought our first house. Uh, and IVF helped us welcome Caden into the world. And what a blessing he's been. Um, and about the time that he was one years old, we started a new chapter in our life uh, when we started to pursue foster care. And it wasn't long after we were certified, less than 12 hours, uh, we got our first phone call. We chickened out. We got another phone call. We chickened out of that one too. Um, but eventually, we were placed with the sibship of two, a three-year-old and an 18-month-old. And overnight, our family went from one child to three, and our life went nuts. Um, it took about six months before we could finish treading water just to keep our noses above, uh, before we finally felt like things had settled down and we were able to be kind of back in control and, and be able to handle things. Um, and then we got an email from our kid's caseworker, and she said that something just kept compelling her to just ask us if we would consider bringing in another child into our home. And that's not okay. That Our house was closed. We were done. Our family was complete. And that's not technically legal for her to do. Um, but the child was a newborn, and she had a heart problem, and she said she might have Down syndrome. And so the next week, we started looking at what our desires in life was, what our limitations that we thought we had were. And basically we came down to this. If God is who he says he is, and he has called us to this, then either we answer that call and we trust in him, or we really don't have much of a faith at all. And so we said yes. And here's where it gets funny. Two weeks after we brought Riley into our home, Jill came downstairs on a Sunday afternoon, feeling funny, with a miracle in her hand. She had several expired pregnancy tests that were all positive. And so a few months later, we're undergoing open heart surgery with our 10-month-old daughter, Riley. And a few weeks later, we gave birth to our daughter, Addison, bringing the grand total number of children in our home to five under the age of five. Also not part of our plan. <laughs> but it wasn't long before things would change again. Um, just as we were preparing to enter the adoption phase of our first two foster kids, we actually found ourselves in a custody battle for them. Um, after a week of trial, we learned that in Texas, nature matters more than nurture in the eyes of the court. And within 24 hours, we had to give up the children that we had raised for the last two years. Um, forcing out a prayer of blessing over their grandparents and getting back into our vehicle without them that was one of the hardest things that we've had to do. And it broke us for quite a while. But God is faithful, though. He's patient. Um, and he surrounded us and he guided us back into seeing that he is big enough to take care of those kids without us. And he's also big enough to take care of our broken hearts. Uh, we're control freaks. But despite our best efforts, we are not in control of this life that we call ours. 
We learned through that we can't make it on our own. Relying on him is a necessity. He's the one that gives us our daily bread. He's the one that restores our souls. Fast forward a few years. Um, things are going great. Uh, God is really blessing Survivor. It's expanding. Uh, like was mentioned, we had an opportunity to go to Brazil. The response from the kids there was incredible and overwhelming. And then Mark mentions to me casually at Life Group one night, hey, um, what do you think about becoming full-time missionaries? Um, it, we've been going through boxes and getting rid of a lot of stuff uh, over the last few weeks. And this week, actually yesterday, I was going through a box and I found an old journal from 2001. I wrote it on a spring break campaign while at ACU to Chicago. Um, as I was in a place where trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, and I want to read an excerpt from it, because I think it applies to the thing, same things that we are feeling as we're wrestling with this idea to become missionaries or not. So this is what I wrote. I'm learning that I'm afraid to let God use me how he wants to use me. I'm afraid that if I turn everything over to him, he might take it all. I'm afraid to walk the wire without my safety net of security and belonging. And I fear what might happen. So I rationalized my situation to make myself think that I'm effective where I'm at. That was 16 years ago. Now, when Mark said that, I didn't realize how serious he was. And I certainly didn't understand what God was about to do in our lives. Come to find out, the Spirit had been working on Jill as well. And so as we prayed about it, as we talked about it, as we started to consider and count the cost, we found ourselves asking a very familiar question. If God is who he says he is, and he has called us to this task, so why are we going to San Luis? In a sentence, it's because God is who he says he is. And we have learned through the ups and downs of life to trust him as our guide, to follow where he leads, and to rely on his strength. For us, we want to make a big splash in the kingdom. We want to live the abundant life that Jesus had, has offered us. We've seen what his provision looks like, We've seen the ways, and you've heard it this morning through the stories, ways that he's weaving things together for our good. Um, when we were in San Luis, one of our teammates, Tim, uh, was trying to buy a souvenir for his wife, and he'd gone to the market. Um, he had seen one that he liked, but he didn't buy it right away. So he goes back the next day, and sure enough, it's not there. So he's talking to the shop owner, and she says, don't worry, I'll make you one exactly like that. Come back tomorrow. So he goes back tomorrow. She's not there. So he goes back the next day, the day that we're leaving. We're, about, we're standing there about to get into the car, about to leave to go to the airport. He runs to the market, and he and Scott Reynolds from Great Cities, who is standing there with him, are checking out. And Scott hears some Portuguese music playing in the background. And so he asks her, he says, are you a believer? And she says, yes. And he says, oh, praise God, we are too. She stops and she says, you know what? When you guys were in here yesterday, I kept praying to myself, Lord, could it be that you've sent these men to help spread your message in this city? Now I know that you are the answer to that prayer. I just didn't know he would send a bunch of Americans to do it. <laughs> Tell your friends when you go back, when they come back, to come and find me, because I have lots of family and lots of friends that are going to want to help. You can't make that stuff up. Um, further evidence that God is at work. Here's another story. We get back. We've made the commitment. Uh, we had sent a letter out to friends and family informing them of what we're about to do, asking for prayers. 
One of our friends replied and said that her daughter had been to Brazil. We knew her daughter, her daughter had participated in Survivor, and that she had a friend that was still there um, down in Rio. So it turns out that our friend's daughter's friend, Tanya, had recently been to San Luis and had realized the need for workers there. She was considering whether she should move from Rio to San Luis, but her prayer was that God would send someone to help in that city. She also happened to know the guy in the Brazilian consulate in Houston and has since put in a good word for us, something at the time that we were super excited about. Further evidence that God is at work constantly, whether we know it or whether we see it or not. And we've seen it over and over and over again. You've heard some of the stories uh, from Troy and from Mark this morning about what God has done in these three families' lives. And it gives us confidence, and he's made it clear that he is calling us by his grace and mighty power to move our families to San Luis and to join in the privilege of serving him by spreading his good news. And it leaves us, quite honestly, just standing in awe and praising the God who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Praise God for what he is doing. It's him that deserves the credit. We thank you guys for your attention this morning. What incredible message. Thank you guys so very much for uh, sharing with us some incredible words about what God is doing. And as we think about um, these words and in, in, in your story and, and looking forward to you being in Brazil, uh, we think about uh, how we can be a part and we want to be a prayer part of this thing. As we come to the end of our time this morning, this is a moment when we have always set aside uh, to, to offer prayers. And so uh, we're going to have a song in just a second. Ben's going to lead us a song. If you have a need this morning, whether to come to Jesus this morning or whether to uh, ask for prayers for any need at all, we want to give you that opportunity at this point as we stand and sing this song. And of rest for thee I sigh when will the moment come?